Now, and we will turn to the book of Acts, the last chapter, chapter 28. We've seen now the gospel as it has started at the cross, of course, in Jerusalem. And it's gone to Samaria and Judea and to the uttermost parts of the world now, as we see the gospel has been blown across the Mediterranean. Now, you can now, the setting, of course, is Paul has been uh, now incarcerated for two years, and now he is uh, on his way to Rome on a, a grain ship from Alexandria. And, of course, we know that uh, they were caught in a storm. Did you read that, or did you been hearing about this past week, where there's one of those September storms or that hit uh, Libya, and there's over, over several thousands of people have died. That's just the, the types of weather that they have uh, there in the Mediterranean during this time of year, from about September right on through January and February, or up into February. They don't really start uh, uh, shipping again, or at least ancient mariners didn't, until about February, the end of February. And so this is the timing that we have here. Uh, where they're, uh, they are going to stay three months in Malta. But you can imagine now they have been beaten half to death by a storm, cold wind and rain for two whole weeks. Can you, do you think that would exhaust you? And then a shipwreck. And with the shipwreck, now you are, I mean, they, they have gone two weeks, 600 miles blown by the wind. I mean, that's, uh, that's a rocky uh, two weeks. I, that would be just terrifying for two whole weeks, not even knowing where they were going. And by God's providence, they could have missed the island totally, but they, the Lord had a message. Even in the storm, God was leading them to the perfect place that he had for them. And of course, he had a ministry there on an island uh, that had not heard the gospel. And Malta would become one of those great centers of Christianity, or at least a, a very influenced by Christianity, because of this very uh, stay uh, of Paul and of uh, the people shipwrecked. So it's interesting how that even in the storms of life, all things work together for good to them that love God. And I imagine that uh, Publius and some of these other people that we'll read about were very happy that the storm came because it brought Paul and brought salvation to them through the message that he preached. And so let's begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 28. And we see, Now when they had escaped, they found out that they were in the island of Malta. And the natives, uh, and the word there in King James is barbarian. And a barbarian, uh, what they would say, they're barbar, they were just, uh, they were, they're babblers. But uh, if you didn't speak Greek, or Latin, or the trade language Greek, if you didn't speak any one of those, then you were just a barbarian. And so uh, everybody knew a little bit of Greek, and if you, but if you didn't, then that was what a bar, was a barbarian. So these people, as we could tell, were not mean people. And they weren't barbarous, bar, barbarians as we would think of them today, Hagar the Horrible and all those guys. But we notice, and the natives showed us unusual kindness for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. 
So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said one to another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom he has escaped from the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But after they looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said, This man is a god. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that his father, the father of Publius, lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed and laid hands on him and healed him. So when they had done had, this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. And after three weeks or three months, excuse me, we sailed. In an Alexandrian ship. Now, that's another one of those grain ships that would uh, bring the grain up from Egypt and feed Rome. And so the Alexandrian ship, ship who, which, whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which uh, had wintered in the island. And landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days. And there we circled around and reached Regium. And, uh, and after one day... The south wind blew, and the next day we went to Petilio, uh, where we found brethren and were invited to stay with them seven days. And so, and so we went toward Rome. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Apple Forum and the Three Inns. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Now, Father, we pray that you will bless the reading and the preaching of your holy word this morning. Lord, we can learn so many things about those who have gone before us. You tell us that they were examples to us as to your workings in their lives and what you can do in ours. So, Father, as we look at uh, the storms of life, as we look at what you do and how that your hand controls the waves, and controls even the situations um, that we find ourselves in. May we look up to you, Lord, realizing that this old world's not our home. We're just passing through. And when the storms come and when the uh, difficulties come, when the snakes bite, we realize, Lord, that there's a purpose in it all if we're in the center of your will. So bless this time we have together, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll notice that uh, I divided the outline up this morning into the uh, snake bitten and then we're going to look at uh, the sickness and then we're going to look at the ships it's kind of interesting uh, the how the dr luke here must have had he, he had to have a log because he is going into a detailed itinerary of the trip up from malta to to rome 
He tells us one day, three days, a week, and so forth. He tells us all the, tells us about the grain. But uh, when the Bible does that, and bear in mind, whenever God says something, like, for instance, he talks about the twins, or it talks about the, the two brothers, one is Pollux and uh, whatever that, is in, uh, that uh, the King James says. But this, this, why does he mention things like this? Why does God put this in the Bible? It's kind of like in the Old Testament when I read about the kings. And it'll say, and his mother was so-and-so. And I started noticing that. And I'm saying, why does God put uh, about the king's parents or, or about the mother? Because, of course, they would always talk about the son of so-and-so. But then I went back and I started noticing those Judean kings. And you start reading about it. And most of the good kings came from Israelite mothers. The bad kings came from, remember those kings, they would marry all kinds of people, political marriages. But uh, even, uh, uh, well, most of the kings, even uh, Hezekiah married a horrible wife and he had a horrible son. And so we see that, uh, that uh, it's interesting how that God will throw that in there. And so whenever you see those little things like that, then you, why does God put it in there? Because all scripture is inspired and is profitable for our instruction, isn't it? Now, so I don't want to get into all the details, but it's just this is some of the stuff that fascinates me about the Bible. Why does God put certain things in there? And we're going to try to explain some of that this morning. But first of all, we see that Paul was just going about his business. I mean, you can imagine how tired he must have been, but we see that Paul now is starting to take charge of the situation. They land on this, play, this beach at a certain, the perfect place where there was a group of, of, of um, barbarians who couldn't speak uh, Latin or Greek, but some of these sailors must have known some of these people because, after all, there was an Alexandrian ship over in the, on the harbor across the island. And so they would, they would have known how to communicate with them a while, and they found out they were, that they were on the island of Malta. Now, these people would have been from an African uh, descent, uh, northern African. Uh, we see that uh, they showed great fire, and they even built a fire. Isn't that interesting how that God has provided all along the way? Even though Paul was incarcerated, he found favor even with Felix. When he was put on the ship, he found favor with the centurion. And now, as he's, even though he's been through a, a storm-tossed sea and the whole 276 people have been delivered, and you can imagine how exhausted, how exhausted would you be after a trip like that? And you're landing on the, on the sea. And then there God has people waiting for you that builds a fire. Now, is that providence or is that providence? God knows how to meet the needs. It's kind of like, it's interesting as you study Elijah and he runs from Jezebel and he gets under a juniper tree and the Lord kicks him and wakes him up and he says, rise and uh, Elijah and, uh, and eat. And uh, first thing that God does is feed him. And isn't it interesting? This is what God is doing with Paul, even with unsaved people. And God can use, when it, the Bible tells us that when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. 
So here we've got people that, are, that don't know the gospel. Some of them might be an enemy of the gospel, but at the same time, but they were friendly and they, they helped these people. And even though it seemed like they were you know, destitute, yet God had the right people at the right time in the right place to meet the needs of these people. Why? Because there was omniscience on board in the fact that God had promised Paul that he was going to Rome. And folks, I like what um, I think uh, Hudson Taylor said, that uh, as long when you're doing God's will, God's way, then, uh, then the, the provision's always going to be there. And so God will always provide. And so we see that uh, God is doing that in this very situation. Paul had no... He, he had no way of getting to Rome any other way because he was under the very laws and under the very grip of Rome. And yet God was superseding all those situations and God was going to get the gospel to Rome through this man one way or another. And so we see that God uses people, even unsaved people in our lives. Some of this... Some of the times I'm sure in your life where you have been shown kindness or people or even a job or something. Again, we see that these unsaved people are being used of God. We'll see this again with the unsaved sailors. But uh, they were in. And so we see that Paul now was gathering sticks. And as he was gathering sticks. Uh, and of course, he wasn't. He was. He was, if anybody could have laid back and said, Man, "I'm tired," let anybody else do it. He's up and at him, and he's going around gathering sticks. Now it was cold, remember? And D. H. Lawrence, who was the Lawrence of Arabia, talked about. He gave one of the illustrations where even in the desert uh, at night, you have to be careful when you're picking up sticks because the snakes get cold and they get stiff. And so here you have a. Uh, situation here on Malta the same way where he's picking up sticks he must have gotten a bundle of them and there was a snake in there and the snake a viper bit him now after it bit him we know that uh, the superstitious uh, barbarians were thinking this guy must have been a murderer because he escaped the sea but God's not going to let him escape you know because he was a bad man but then nothing happened to him and as a result of that, they started saying, what, you know, what is going on? And they see that there was no swelling. He didn't drop dead. And they changed their minds. Now, there have been people who use this passage. And then they will use Mark chapter 6, verse 12. In fact, uh, uh, it was kind of prominent. It, it comes and goes. But you'll hear about this every once in a while. Back a few years ago, there was a newspaper article I read about. Out in California, there was a bunch of snake handlers because they were going to get together and prove, it was kind of like the laughing revival and all these different things that people have where they come up with all these weird things that they think is part of the Holy Spirit. But now the Lord said back, of course, and when he talked to you in his prophecy about spreading the gospel around the world, he said, and these things will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Did that happen? Did Paul cast out demons? Yes, he did. Uh, they shall speak in new tongues. Did that happen? Yes, we saw that happen. Uh, they will uh, take up serpents. Now, it wasn't saying that they were going to be handling serpents, but they will. Did Paul take up a serpent? 
He took up a serpent then he, without knowing it, but he didn't tempt the Lord as God. And we have to realize that. And the only one that we don't see that happened in the book of Acts is this one. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Now, that's the one that we don't see. But everything else, including two on this island, that where the Lord is doing this, before these things are going to be passing, by the way, when the, when the that which is perfect has come, that which was um, imperfect will be passed away. But he says, they will lay hands on the sick. Is Paul going to do that? Yes. And they will recover. So here we see that Paul now is... Uh, is just doing his work, and all of a sudden he's getting bitten by a snake, and we see that nothing happens to him. How many times have I, we heard about missionaries, missionary stories, about uh, being delivered from alligators, being delivered? I think of that one uh, man who was on a raft, him and his family, and uh, they kept hearing uh, bumps on the raft. They were going down to Congo, and uh, the next morning, uh, any any one of those 10 or 12 crocodiles that were around that uh, raft could have climbed up on it, but it, they didn't. So did God, did God protect those missionaries out in the middle of, the, uh, of anywhere? But do you think that he said, oh, my, I'm going to really test God. I'm going to jump off and see if they're going to bite me. Was God obligated to take care of him if he did that? No. We don't tempt the Lord our God. And so when we're doing God's will in God's way, God has ways of protecting us. I think of so many times, I've awakened at night sometimes in a cold sweat, thinking about what, what could have happened if God hadn't taken care of you. you ever done that? And so, so we see so many times that God has protected us even before we, we, before we even think about it. Or he'll send the right person at the right time to be such a blessing in our lives. I think about... Uh, uh, how that God drastically changed my life uh, whenever I found out to, that my mother had uh, terminal cancer. And how that uh, because there was a couple of men that knew, a couple of officers who knew buddies in the Pentagon, they got me switched around from going to Southeast Asia down to, uh, to uh, Jacksonville, Florida, which was only about 90 miles from my house. Well, that changed my life, that whole perspective, because I've met so many people in Jacksonville, Florida, that changed the whole perspective of life. God has ways of doing that, does he not? And these people, these men were very good men, and yet, as far as I know, they weren't saved. I didn't go to their parties or whatever else, but uh, God blessed me through unsaved people. And I can think that's just one I can get very personal, but I don't want to this morning. But I think you, any of us can that can talk about how that God used even unsaved people to bring us to a greater knowledge of him or to protect us or to really change our lives drastically. And so we see that this is, that God has done this with Paul. He's bringing them into this, into life. And all of a sudden, guess what? He is now considered an honored man. And Publius hears about it, and he's really the chieftain. He's the representative. He's the guy that the Romans would come to and talk to about uh, what was going on if the Romans wanted to come down to Malta. He was the one guy that they would talk with uh, there. And so we see that, but he had a problem. And that was that his, um, that his father 
had what they called Maltese fever, which was actually a fever that was common to that area. That's one reason it wasn't terribly uh, habitated at this time, is because uh, this island, they had goats on that island that carried a certain microbe that caused dysentery. In fact, the very word that we get here, dys- dys- dysentery, comes from, is a Greek word. I mean, it, and it would last sometimes for three and four weeks or three or four months. And many times it was fatal. So you can imagine how that these people dreaded to get this type of disease. And it was discovered in 1887. It took that long, 1800 or 1900 years later. That's what, what caused it and how to prevent it. And that's one reason Malta is a tourist attraction today rather than uh, what it was. But uh, it was just known that if you went there, you know, what is it? You don't drink the water or whatever in certain places in the world or whatever. Well, that's the way Malta was. And so we see that uh, at the right time, at the right place, that uh, Paul now was elevated by God. God lifted him up above even the captain of the ship. Notice Publius didn't go to the captain of the ship or the owner. He didn't go to the centurion. He came to Paul and invited him because Paul was a god. Now, Paul didn't accept it being a god, but uh, notice how the god lifted him up. And so we see that uh, Paul went to, to the father of Publius. And notice, uh, as Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 16 says, he prayed and laid hands on him and healed him. And then after that, we see that a lot of other people with this disease came, and guess what? They were healed. And so we see that God greatly used Paul in this, these areas. Now, again, I would like to think that I'm a faith healer. But I, if I didn't think that God can heal your body, then I wouldn't go to pray with you at the hospital. But folks, I do not want to know uh, be known as a faith healer. And guess what? Neither did Paul. Do you think that Paul was witnessing to these people while he was... Do you think that he was telling them about the Lord Jesus Christ? He was using this time to, to, the Lord was using him at this time to witness to these people and many of them. And folks, when you get into trouble, and we've mentioned this before, visitors have come or whatever, and they'll come to church because they're in trouble. They're looking for an answer. Well, that's one of the best times to witness to people. Sometimes the best time is in the midst of a storm. So here are these people who had weathered these. I mean, that storm hit that island too. But uh, at the same time, they were sick. And many of them were sick. And the Lord allowed Paul to come and he healed him. And notice uh, that it says in verse uh, 9, And when they had done, the rest of those on the island came and they were healed. And they honored us. They honored us. Now, who's us? Notice that whenever you see the first person pronoun, then that is Luke is with him. And so Luke is saying that we were part of this party and they honored us for what we did. And of course, you can imagine that this was a perfect opportunity for Paul to preach to this, these barbarians, as they would, that people, these uh, hicks in the sticks or whatever else, people that hadn't heard the gospel and many of them were saved. In fact, we know that Malta became a, a, a great center of Christianity as a result of, of, uh, of Paul's dealing here from this area. So God used the storm 
of life to bring Paul and to bring salvation to people who had never heard. Sometimes you don't know why God puts you in a certain place. But what about that person who's next to you? Have you talked to them about the Lord? Have you witnessed to them? I think of a a girl that uh, she was in my class in college. She was from New York York City. Very few people I met from New York City. But uh, she was from New York. And uh, she... uh, her testimony was that she and her mother were standing at a, uh, at a crosswalk waiting for the light to turn in the Bronx. And that she had a little cross on her lapel, and she was about waist high to her mom. And uh, it was cold day, and a man came by and said, Little lady, do you know what that cross is for or what it represents? And she said, No. And he told her about Jesus, her and her mother. And her mother got saved, and she got saved later on. And she is now living for the Lord now, simply because a man in the Bronx told, asked her what a little cross was. Folks, if God, are we willing to just take those, uh, those times in life to whatever God gives us to, to do as far as witnessing for him? You can imagine now, these people were, Paul was in the prime position, and Paul wasn't about to let this crisis go to waste. We see that, we know that he witnessed, and as a result, many people were saved. And so we see the reaction of the the natives. Um, We see that uh, they honored him, and you can imagine... uh, they what what a great party they, they they probably didn't want him to leave, but now you can imagine the effect that had on uh, the on Julius the centurion and others. And so we uh, do you think that Julius heard the gospel uh, the centurion? Do you think he heard the gospel many times from Paul? You'll notice that Paul, as he witnessed, even when they get to to uh, Rome, or excuse me, to Italy, we'll see that Julius lets him go again and lets people come talk to him. And so we see that that, these, that the Lord has ways of bringing the right people into our lives, even in the storms of life. And so we see, secondly, that not only did God deliver him from the snakes and from the storm, but uh, and also from dysentery. Notice he didn't catch it, and no one else did either. But then notice also, it tells us that after three months, they say, so they stayed there for three months. We see in, now in verse 11, and after three months, we sailed on an Alexandrian grain ship, probably as big as the one that they were in, which had uh, harbored, uh, wintered there on the island. And it had the, um, the um, masthead. On the masthead, many ships they will have decor- they will have something that will represent some, uh, someone or something uh, even on American sailing ships they did this but uh, we see that on this one they had two brothers and these two brothers we see were Castor and Pollux as uh, King James tells us and these were the sons of Zeus the Greek god and of course they're represented in the uh, some of you people know, and I really tried to figure this out, but uh, it's a constellation uh, that 
of Gemini, but I can't figure out, is Gemini part of the Big Dipper? I don't know. Anyway, so, but those two are, are mentioned, very prominent stars in heaven. My daughter, who loves this kind of stuff, would say, oh, Dad, and she would, she'd fill me in very quickly. But uh, there again, uh, these were stars that uh, were part of the navigation system that, uh, the, that, the peop- that the sailors would use. And also, they were gods that were worshipped. And you can imagine now, well, now, why did Paul put, or excuse me, why did, uh, why did Luke put this in? I think Luke is saying, you know, there again is another opportunity to witness. Here you have a whole bunch of unsaved people. And wouldn't it be good? To, to, hey, listen, you see those two up there? Hey, listen, we, we didn't have those on our ship. We had, a, we had a God in heaven that delivered us. And let me tell you about it. You think you'd be doing that? There's a God that, uh, that created the stars. There's a God who uh, is much superior and will save your soul and not only your life from the sea. He's, we have a God, I have a God that controls the seas. And you can imagine how that he witnessed to them as they came to know, uh, as, and many of them, again, the Lord was spreading the gospel around the world. And even as Paul was going to Rome, People were being saved along the way. And so we see that God greatly used him as God wants to use us. And we see that from there, so we see that they wintered on the island and we, they round the, the, and they reached Regium and then they went on, then they found a good south wind blow to blow and boy, it got them up to, uh, to Rome, uh, to this area pretty quickly. Uh, and then notice also, that God knows what we need. Because even though Paul had reached Italy, he had no idea what was going to happen in Rome. He had no idea what was going to Okay, I've, I've reached here. I know that God wants me here. But what's next? And notice what God does. Not only does Paul able to uh, have shore leave, but uh, notice in verse 15, and from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us at the Appi Forum in the Three Ends. Now, it was an area right around those, uh, those the Appian Way later on was a road that went, a main road that would go into Rome. Um, but uh, we see that Paul stayed there for seven days, which allowed people to, hey, Paul's here. And remember, he had written from Corinth, he had written to the people of Rome and the churches that had been started around there that he was hoping to see them. Now, all of a sudden, they were able, and you can imagine now, after being out at sea for days, for hundreds of days, for uh, scores of days now, we see that then he's away, and, and now even that ship that he's on, as he just tells, I think another thing that Luke is saying is, you know, even the, un, the ships were unsaved. I mean, that, there was nothing Christian about what the journey that Paul was taking, except that the Lord was with him, and he was turning the world upside down as he was going to Rome. Folks, uh, we don't, you know, how many of us, we, we love to be around uh, Christians, and many times, and I think we made a mistake with this, is we isolated that, well, you know, we don't want uh, our kids to be around unsaved people. We don't want, you know, if I could find a job where there's a bunch of Christians working or uh, working in a church or whatever else. God sends us out to all kinds of different places. 
to be a witness for him. And here we see that uh, the Lord has done this and the, all the, the cultural things, all the, even the ship's masthead, everything uh, had to do with uh, false gods and uh, heathenism. And yet God put Paul on boats like that to win people to the Lord. Can God do that with you and me? Yes, he sends us to, I mean, uh, we'd like to work for Christian organizations. Well, many times you find out people working for Christian organizations are not Christian or they get, they're very unchristian. And so we see that, you know, if God had put you in a place to work and it looks like, oh my, I wish I was in a Christian school or I wish I was this, or I wish I was that. If God's got you there, the best thing you can do is be a witness for him, to be close to him. And Paul was put in some of the most precarious situations, and yet we see that he witnessed for them. But now, finally, as he gets to Rome, knows God knew that what he needed, and God knows what you needed. And so we see that, that uh, all of a sudden, I can imagine, as he met with these brethren, he said, oh my, they want me. I mean, they're accepting me. These are my, this is my crowd. And not only that, but he was greatly honored here and people from all over the place just wanted to come to see Paul and to pray with him and to, and to seek, his, seek him out. And those Paul saw them and he thanked God for them and it gave him courage. God knows when we need the courage. God knows when to send that person along to pat us on the back or to, to, up, to give us uplift or whatever. God knows how to, great, to encourage us along the way. Now, we have to be in God's will. And many times it'll be in church. I think of several times, and I think of going up and down the eastern seaboard uh, in the Navy. And again, a, again, a very, sometimes a hostile place as far as things of the Lord. And yet, when you go to church, it was so nice. And I met some of the greatest friends that I still know, or I knew for, for years after that, just by going, and people accepted me uh, into their church when I was there. There was sometimes I was only there out in Puerto Rico, only for a couple of weeks. And what a blessing it was to meet the uh, islanders and people out there that knew the Lord. And so it is. Folks, whenever we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. He knows how to encourage us. He knows how to bring those right people at the right time, at the right place. If we're in his place, then God knows how to to meet our needs. And so the best thing that we can do when someone says, Pastor, and they'll talk to me, they'll tell me my family's falling apart, my job, I've lost my job, all that. Uh, and I'll, and my, my great, the greatest counsel you give to a person like that is do you know you're in the center of God's will? I can't, I can't change your wife, I can't change your child, I can't change, but the, the one thing that I can, that we do want to do, is to know that we're right where God wants us, that our sins are forgiven, that we are dedicated our life to him, and then all things work together for good to them that love God, even to them that are called according to his purpose. And even though it might look like a storm, maybe a tremendous a disappointment, or heartache, or hurts, God still uses those things to bring people to not only saving knowledge of him, but also to encourage us. 
And we see that this is exactly what Paul. Paul is going to now go into Rome, not knowing exactly what's going to happen. And he's going to stay there under house arrest. In fact, if you look at verse 16, and when they came to Rome, finally, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul, notice again, he was permitted to dwell by himself with a soldier who guarded him. And so he, only, he didn't have to go to prison at this time. Later on, we realize in 2 Timothy, he's in prison. But God gives him chance to be with the soldier. And most likely, now, it didn't have to be this way. It depends on how much the soldier trusted him because if Paul left, the soldier could die. But they probably had him chained to, to, to him for... But can you imagine if this happened and there were six-hour shifts and so you had four uh, soldiers every day you think that these soldiers heard the Lord Jesus, uh, heard about the Lord Jesus Christ from the Apostle Paul? In fact, later on, we've said over uh, in Philippians chapter 4, one of the prison epistles, we call them prison epistles because they were written from Rome. And we have uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon that were written from Rome. And of course, 2 Timothy later on, when he was about ready to uh, be beheaded, but um, we see that uh, when he writes to the Philippians, he says, they they of Caesar's household greet you. Caesar's household? Yeah, he was winning people right under old Nero's nose. It's just like back when, uh, if you read the book of Luke, and uh, or or read uh, the gospel of Luke, and, and he'll talk about the women that supported Paul or excuse me, reported Jesus and his disciples. It took money for 13 men to travel without a job. And many of them, they would take collections and everything. And many of them worked in the household of Herod. It's interesting how that God uses the most unusual ways of meeting the needs of his people. And here we see that Nero, one of the meanest men that's ever walked the face of the earth, people were being saved right under his nose. We need to pray for the people of China, folks. I was reading an article about how that uh, systematically uh, China now is trying to wipe out all vestiges of Christianity in its uh, provinces. Well, that means the church is probably going to flourish. I mean, so that's, but uh, it's not going to be like, like what we have here. But we want to pray that God will save people right under, oh, what's his name, Xi or whatever his name is, uh, right under his nose. Even the palace guard, wouldn't that be great to know we'll see people in heaven that are right there, maybe even in prison in, uh, in Beijing. But oh, that God would, would let's realize that where God puts us, he has his omnipotence. Where God puts us is his presence with us and his power and his glory and what he wants to do through us. Many times we won't even understand it till we get to heaven. But all the joy that God can bring, all the, the gospel that God can bring to a lost, and saving, a lost and dying world through people who are just willing to be where God wants them to be, doing what God wants them to do in God's way, in God's grace. Not trying to, uh, to, uh, to get the glory and uh, definitely... Uh, Wanting just to praise God and thank him for who he is. Do we want to be used of God? Even in the storm, 
even in the heartaches of life, even when we see the storm clouds gathering in our own nation, are we willing to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what the cost, and ask God to bring those even unsaved people along that will be a blessing, and even some that we might be able to win to him? Let's pray. Father, We thank you that we can have the privilege this morning of saying, Father. Because we know, Lord, that we've accepted Jesus Christ, your son. And you give us the authority to be called children of God. What a blessed position. What a blessed relationship that you give us the great blessing to be accepted into the household and into the family of God. Lord, may we realize our status, not with pride, but with grace, realizing, Lord, there's nothing we've done but everything that you've done. And Lord, that you can use us to reach people that have never heard And Lord, realizing that many times you'll use those people who've never heard to bless us. But oh, may we always be looking for a reason and for a way to tell people about you. Lord, we realize that the world's getting more wicked and we don't understand what's going on. It seems like there's some viciousness going on out there. And yet, Lord, right under all that, you can save souls. So Lord, we pray for that neighbor We pray, Lord, for that official. Pray, Lord, for that stranger that we come in contact with. Lord, that you would use us, even in an unchristian setting, even with false gods all around. May we realize that we serve the God of heaven. Bless your people, Lord. Use us for your glory. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.